Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the pod. Uh, we are pre-match for the Leicester game. I'm standing with my good friend and friend of the show, Alan. Hello, Alan. Hi, oh, yeah. How are you doing, Russ? Yeah, not too bad. Looking yeah. forward to the game. Oh, yes, yes. It's going to be a good game, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. yeah another three points, hopefully. Another, another great event, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully uh, there's yeah. another one coming up soon. Your niece is getting married, isn't she? Absolutely. Quite soon. Next Saturday, and, yeah. Um, oh, and we've, we've, got, uh, we've got her other half-to-be, well, other half and husband-to-be with us, who's over from the States for the wedding, on account of the fact he's from the States. San Francisco, to be exact, I believe. Welcome to the podcast, Ted. Oh, thank you, thank you. Excited to be here. Excellent. I see you've got an Albion scarf on. Looks like we might be uh, turning into the way of the seagull. Would that be uh, possibly the case? I think that is a very fair statement, yes. <laughs> I, I'm a supporter, yes. Excellent. I know you told me this uh, before we uh, started recording, but you had a bit of an incident with your first Albion game, which was the... The only Albion game so far, I think. Is that right? That is correct. Which, yeah, it was at Chelsea. Chelsea yeah. away, which is the, the last season's game, isn't it? Where they got the late equaliser. You missed it. <laughs> Explain very briefly why and how. Uh, so Alan was kind enough to get me and my future father-in-law, Hugh, a ticket to the match. So we were there. I asked for his daughter's hand in marriage right before the match. We walk in. We're having a great time. We're enjoying Fantastic. the game. Missed the equalizer because uh, her dad slipped and fell and dislocated his finger, so I ended up having to take him to the hospital. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, a rather painful story. Missing yes. the equalizer wasn't the only bit of pain yes. involved in that story. So, uh, so how did you, how, how come uh, how come you've, you've you've hooked up with your uh, missus? Uh, did you meet her over there? What, what uh, we what's the story? In, we met in San Francisco through a mutual friend. We actually met six years ago at a yeah. dinner party. We were both dating other people at the time, and I lived in Indiana at the time, not California. And we ended up re-meeting during COVID. Yeah. Uh, and it, they call them a social circle in San Francisco. They live in these spray-painted circles in the parks. <laughs> I show up to the park day with some friends, and they put my seat right next to her. So, like, ah. we ended up, like, having a chat and hit it off. And here we are about two years later getting married. There we go. Brilliant. Is she an Albion fan by any chance? Uh, we'll make her one. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's the next task. Yeah, 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 <laughs> That's yeah, a work yeah, yeah. Um, I know, obviously, you're kind of new to it with the Albion, but have you got any predictions for today? How do you uh, see it go? Uh, I think it's a win. I'm going to go 2-1. Two, 2-1 two, one. Two, one to the Albion? 2 Albion. Yeah. Nice. I like that. I've gone 2-0. Um, I haven't been getting them right recently, but uh, that doesn't bode well. So you can mark off 2-0 on the score sheet. Uh, Alan, any, any thoughts? Well, I'm hoping we're going to get a clean sheet. So something yeah. like 2-0 or maybe possibly 3-0. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm really optimistic. I'm just... Uh, okay. That's the way I am at the moment. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like <laughs> it. Yeah. We've done well with clean sheets. We, yeah. um, we, haven't, we haven't conceded many. Um, two of the ones we have done, we've scored them for them. Yeah. Really, haven't we? So... <laughs> if we can avoid that, it'll be yeah, good. Just got to keep uh, Mr. Vardy under control and Barnes and Madison. I assume they're playing. I haven't seen yeah. the team sheet yet, but uh, yeah. they're the dangerous players. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellent. And back to Ted, just to finish. Um, in the States, it's getting really popular now, Premier League football. I've noticed a larger number of fans are picking on the picking up and supporting the not big six traditional big six as well which is good to see and that's meant quite a few stateside and American born Albion fans now um, obviously you've, you've been pretty much the latest I think um, how has it been have you been able to catch games have you been watching much 
Yeah, you can see all the games, can't you? Yeah, uh, thankfully for Peacock, like, yeah. a little bit of an advert for them, but like, yeah, yeah. through that, like paying five yeah. bucks a month, you can get all the Premier League matches yeah. now, which is amazing. It's incredible. And are you going to be when, once you got married? Are you are you staying over here or over there? Uh, America, back over there. Back so, States, yeah. so you won't be able to get to see too many live games. At Not least live. you can follow. So this is, this week is, this week is amazing. Like, I'm Excellent. so excited for this. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll get you back on the pod. Well, probably after the game, we'll have a quick word if you're around Absolutely. for uh, having yeah, beers yeah, afterwards. But in the future as well, maybe we'll we'll hear from you again. Excellent, Ted. Enjoy it. Welcome to the club. All right, thanks. Up the Albion. Up the Albion. Love it. Absolutely love it. Okay, it's post match. We've won the game 5-2. Some may argue that should be 6-2. I haven't seen a bayer. <laughs> Definitely should have been at least that. Uh, fantastic game. I'm with Chris Smith, friend of John, who's a friend of the show. Welcome to the podcast for your debut, Chris. Thank you very much. Enjoyed yourself? It's been great, hasn't it? It's been a cracking game. Yep. You are a West Ham upper regular as well. Same as me. Yes, uh, yeah. We had a chat in the grounds and uh, pretty good, wasn't it? Pretty good stuff. Five different scorers no four different scorers four different scorers Ali Max got a few goals now already yep. our strikers have still not scored any goals but we don't care that could go on like that all season for a week here if we keep winning games we scored from a direct free kick as well which is unusual <laughs> for us and great news and the yeah. the man of the match for me yeah agreed but then that could have been anyone across the midfield Cassier was awesome yep. March was also very good in the, second, in the first half Trossard struggled a bit in the first half, came into it and much more in the second half. Great game, great game. Really was. And when he shaped up for that free kick for the 5-2, I was, I was thinking for about 10-15 minutes, this is going to finish for five. We're definitely going to get another one. I just felt we were. And as he shaped up, I thought he's going to score this. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely for me that was... The way he stood over the ball, his intent, his body language was just incredibly positive. It was an incredibly decisive moment for McAllister. I think, yeah, we, we've lacked a player that maximises goals from free kicks. We yeah. need to get that into our side to push on, to take advantage yeah. of when we get set pieces. And he's the man that's got to, got to do that, got to push on. I think he, he'll be great. Yeah. Now he's going to add that to his game. It'll be awesome. Yeah. It'll be even best when he's playing in his actual position. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the beauty, isn't it? We were saying to stop there. We signed Billy Gilmore. A lot of people moaning about not getting a striker in. But actually, by signing Gilmore, we've opened up options in midfield, which allows players to play in more advantageous positions yeah. that they would be more comfortable in or more effective in. And we could go all season without a striker scoring. It's also, McAllister has been very good in his position he's currently playing in. Yeah. It's um, like, how good is he going to be when he's back playing his number 10? He's our quickest player at turning the ball over yeah. and building straight from the start. Yeah. He's our fastest player for that. So getting get back playing just behind the front man again yeah. and he'll be he'll be turning it in, turning the ball over, yeah. winning the ball back inside the opposition's third and just making even more chances. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Great. That incision and that directness and that quickness of movement, yeah. that makes the difference. Along with, as you said, a front man running the line and drawing players away. That's perfect. And we've got people that can finish. McAllister can finish. Trossard can finish. Obviously, uh, Welbeck can, but he hasn't done this season. We, 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 do, need to, we do need to test the keeper today. Uh, I think for me, was, there was even, I think there was more goals in that game if we'd tested their keeper more. Yeah. There's a weak keeper, poor keeper, not a premiership not premiership level keeper at all. I'm amazed that they've still got him. Yeah. Um, and really, we should have tested yeah. him a lot more yeah. than we actually did. Um, so, yeah. but I, I think that's probably my only one. Yeah. yeah. If I was really to pick, to pick holes and to, and to be very picky about that game, yeah. I'd be, we, we didn't test their keeper enough. Yeah. But we did match for us in the end. We, yeah, well deserved 5 2 winners. So. Yeah, there we go. Chris, it's been a pleasure to have you on for the first time. We'll get you back on, I'm sure, at some point. Uh, thanks. Enjoy your trip back. I'm sure you will be going home with a smile. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> I'll see you next time. Enjoy. Cheers. 
Okay, so we now switch to our pre pre-match guys, Ted and Alan. We've got to go to you first, Ted. You've made your home debut today, so to speak. Um, it's been a pretty boring, boring game, isn't it? Uh, only the seven goals, maybe should have been eight or ten or whatever. Uh, how did you find that? Uh, it was amazing. It definitely should have been six-two. Yeah, should have been six-two. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Uh, as if it wasn't already the case, you sold on the club now. That's got to have made it even more firmed up, hasn't it? It was incredible. Yeah, it was like, yeah. The crowd was great. Everything was great. Just a beautiful stadium. Like, yeah, it's great. And we, we played. Alan, we played brilliantly, didn't we? So many good attacking moves. So much more, even we could have done from the game, and yet we did plenty. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, we could have had a, a, quite a few more goals. Um, my prediction of a clean sheet kind of went out, <laughs> went out the window pretty quickly, which is unbelievable. And not in the way we would have liked. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, you get quite often you get those situations where someone could have scored really, really early on, but it usually fizzles out and uh, yeah. things settle down. But this time we actually went in. So, yeah. but we came back and that was really excellent. Yeah. There's some fantastic chances. March really should have scored a few goals. Yeah. Again, he's. Uh, yeah, he, sh- he should have had some good chances and yeah. he's lucky, yeah. really. Which still, is still lacking the finish. But, having said that, he did play particularly well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But Mac- McAllister, what a strike for the first oh, goal. fantastic. And the irony is, I mean, Solly did go off the, on the score sheet at last, but then maybe he hasn't. Apparently it's going down as an own goal. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, I'm not sure I'm really saying it, but I've got a feeling he might have um, headed it onto the post and it bounced off and it yeah. hit the defenders and went in. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what happened. Yeah. According to someone telling me about Sky, they said it was, yeah. it was the case. Yeah. However, uh, great, great stuff. And it looks like uh, there's a goal Arsenal. Uh, for Arsenal away at Man United as we're talking. Yeah. That seems to be popular too. Yeah, Martinez just scored. Uh, interesting, actually, yes, that goal's gone in chatting to Chris who I had on just now on the pod he's gone off there he was saying is there a team better than us at the moment well you probably would have to argue Arsenal because yeah, they've yeah. got a 100% record yeah. and it looks like they might carry on with it yeah, true. Uh, let's take them out of the equation is there anyone else better than us yeah, at the moment yeah, we, we are playing really well yeah. I mean, it's, you can't, you can't, it's not luck it's, uh, it's really is yeah, I mean, you we've said, really got to enjoy this time. Exactly. exactly. I know it's been said so many times, but we, we've really got to enjoy We know it won't last forever, but we can expect and hope a dream of a, yeah. a new best ever finish. Yeah. I think we're, we're certainly capable of finishing above nine. Yeah. Uh, I know you said it tongue-in-cheek, but our title rivals, Man City, draw points. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Liverpool as well, yeah. if they're in the title race at yeah. all. Uh, maybe, you know, if, if they keep screwing up, we yeah. could... Who knows? Who knows? But I think now, I think what's 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 quite nice. I mean, I mean, we shouldn't really get too hung up by what what the media and what the pundits say because they they talk bollocks most of the time anyway. Yeah. But, <laughs> but but I think things are going to start shifting now because yeah, you know, they are going to start talking about Brighton as being serious serious team. Yeah, it's not just the the, yeah. the, 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 the you know the usual kind of ah oh, yes Brighton no, isn't Potter really good. Yeah, well, are they doing well? They've actually maybe started to focus on some of the players. So yeah. I'd imagine the big players on McAllister's are going to get yeah. a really good... Uh, Cause yeah, exactly, because we've got some seriously good yeah, talent in this team. Yeah. Throughout the squad, Sanchez, minus his occasional faux pas. Uh, Donk, you look at Casado, McAllister, Trossard, who's getting a greater deal of consistency, yeah. which will catch your attention. Uh, yeah. Well back up front. Uh, a number of other players as well could, could come into this as being at that level where they are yeah. seriously good players yeah. top half the table players it's fantastic yeah it's interesting actually I don't know if you noticed with uh, Trossard because uh, in the Leeds game he had a few chances and he had to try and get back onto his right foot but this time he actually took it with his left straight yeah. away yeah. when he in the goal yeah so yeah. You know, he learned something from that. Yeah. He executed it well and it went in. Fantastic goal. But I see this goal was classy. Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't take it himself. And I would imagine, imagine, you imagine what's happening in South American TV, television, sports television now. They're all watching that. I mean, McAllister, McAllister again. Top of the league. Yeah. Top four. And we've still got Sarmiento to come back, haven't we? Yeah. It's like incredible I think, talent. I think Paul Barber should open a club shop in South America, maybe one in Rio de Janeiro, one in... And in Japan, because he'll be popping up once. Well, yeah. He didn't get on today, Mr. Mutter, but he's a cracking player as well. Yeah. Another yeah. good talent. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's we, we are. I think we are now, hopefully now, going to start to get recognised for being, as you said, solidly very good team, yeah. Yeah. rather than just a team yeah. with flourishes. Speaking yeah. of flourishes, 
Pascal Gross a couple of great bits of skill today. Oh, he did his turn. He did some sort of like a uh, drag over thing as well at one point yeah. to the side, which kept the move going oh, in absolute style. And, 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 and he had a few good shots on, yeah. on target as well. So. Yeah, he did. I mean, uh, it could have been a lot more. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's really, good. really could have been. Anyway, Alan, yeah. always a pleasure, sir. Fantastic. Thank you. Good good to see you again. Yep. Up the Albion. Up the Albion. Right, next up, they're about to go, so I'm going to grab a quick word with them. Ahmed and Allison, welcome back to the pod, and yet another glorious win for the Albion. Ahmed, how was that for you? Fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I predicted a 5 2 win. That wasn't before the actual kickoff. But mind you, in the middle, he did predict it. So, yeah. um, well, I did, but it was 4 2, because I thought we'd get out of the goal. Yeah. And what a goal that was. Oh, brilliant. Man of, the, man of the match, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Oh, I think he should have been man of the match. It would have been a hat trick as well, wouldn't it? If it yeah. wasn't for the disallowed yeah. goal. Yeah. Got it. What a fantastic goal, the disallowed one was. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. yeah. I missed it actually, I was in the loop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. However, yeah. however. Yeah. I, I, at the time, I was just, I, I wasn't worried about the scoreline because I thought we were going to score more, mm. but I was just, what a shame that yeah. that didn't stand for him. And, yeah. Um, yeah, any, our goal of the month. Any goal like that deserves to be yeah. a goal, doesn't it? Just, yeah. If it's that good, you should almost disregard the rules. Disregard the rules. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Anyway, what, what a great game. I said no, I've been drinking water today and lemonade and lime. I've had right, no alcohol. It looks like vodka. <laughs> it might, yeah, but it does look like vodka. You're right, it does. Uh, Am I going to have to stay teetotal at games? Is this going to be if we if, if I end up doing this again once more and we have as good a performance again? Well, that might be it for me. I, I think you should go teetotal. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, great to catch up with you guys. See you at the next you one. Too. Cheers. And so we turn our attentions now to the gent who hasn't been on for a while. Welcome back to the podcast, Raymond. I suppose you quite enjoyed yourself today. Well. Um, when I wake up tomorrow, Sunday morning, Russell, I get to realise that this was all a dream. <laughs> and it's good to say for you because two things don't happen. Under Potter, we don't score five goals at home. That yeah. is sort oh, yeah. of unheard of. Yeah. It's the first time I think we scored five goals in the Premier League. I think you're right, I, yeah. I thought it was probably under Potter our best attacking performance. Yeah. With the possible exceptions of the second half against Man City or oh, in the Man United game and well. the first part, part of the Man U uh, game last season, last okay, season. Yeah. but at Man U think, although we won 4-0 it wouldn't have flattered Man U if it had been 4-2 yeah. Um, yeah but this I think were all round excellent four different scorers yeah. uh, McAllister could possibly when one's seen it replay should have had a hat-trick yeah. but for the goal disallowed yeah. I thought I noticed that Graham Potter said, quoted as saying, it's not so much about scoring goals, football, but scoring one more goal than the opposition. <laughs> so he's well, obviously helps. interpreted that, really. If we win 1 0, that's enough. It can be interpreted as Kevin Keegan did. It doesn't matter if you score five goals, as long as the opposition has scored four. Yeah. So, you know, if you score 10 or 11 goals every game, <laughs> for the sake of argument, you're probably going to win most games. Well, I bloody hope we win every game if we score 10 or 11. <laughs> well, we could have had, it wouldn't have flattered us if we scored about eight. No, no. I mean, Welbeck shot yeah. when he got, won the ball off the keeper, yeah. and then got it and had to trip over him. Yeah. If he'd been four foot further away from the goal, yeah. that would have been under the bar. Yeah. Yep. And you know, it I would have been a fantastic I think Wepu, when he shot a goal, I mean, it's on target with power, fair play, but he could have squared that, that could have been maybe a goal. Gross had a good shot from range, well, a couple of them, especially oh, that, in the second half. I mean, why, why Wepu went for that? I mean, yeah, his yeah. angle was impossible. Yeah. It was almost impossible to get it in yeah. from where he shot. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, about a 5% angle to well, well back nearly scored from wide on the left. Uh, the loop ball that just hit the, I think, the back of the crossbar and onto the net. No, no, well, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, oh, that's that one, yeah, yeah. 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 That's yeah. that one. But I mean, I think Welbeck's actually, the only disappointment is I'd hoped he, he'd score a goal. Because at this rate, he ain't going to score a goal in the first half of the season. Yeah. It won't matter if, we, if we're scoring goals. Yeah, enough goals. But well, yeah, exactly. If he stays fit all season and doesn't score a single goal, I'd be happy if we carry on doing what we did today in that regard. Well, at the moment, 11 goals, 6 games, 
Um, that's great. That's nearly two goals a game. If yeah. we continue scoring at that rate, yeah. we'll do very well. We'll, we'll be getting more than two points a game. Uh, for if I could go back to something I posted on the Seoul website. Uh, yeah. Can, can, yeah. Uh, can you actually answer two questions? Yeah. Firstly, yeah. why does uh, Webster really get the ball do three things? Firstly, he stopped, waits till he's got the ball to start even thinking about what he's going to do with it. Yeah. Secondly, he tends to ignore people in the space outside him. Yeah. As exemplified by his brilliant cross-field pass to the yeah. Leicester player yeah. leading directly to their second goal. Yeah. And thirdly, why does he actually slow the tempo down all yeah. the time? You've got an issue with this, haven't you? You mentioned oh, no, well, He waits till the ball comes. Yeah. Yeah. As a driving instructor, Russell, yeah. you will know yeah. that you have to anticipate what you're going to do. Yeah. Webster isn't looking to see what's on when the ball is coming yeah. towards him. Mm. He's waiting for the ball gets to him. So there's some coaching back, coaching back into it there, I think. Because uh, when we move the ball quicker, we're definitely better. We're effective. We're a passing team. Players like McAllister have got more of a directness to them, haven't they, in terms of moving the ball quickly and looking at what's available. Casida, yeah. I don't mind it going across and back. Yeah. As long as when we do start going, yeah. we go with pace. Yeah, that's it. What last season when we were going forward, we weren't going forward with pace. Today, yeah. when we made that decisive move, yeah. we moved with pace. Yeah. And you know, our, our, the first two minutes, yeah. we were poor yeah. because we hadn't, weren't concentrating. And arguably, the first sort of few minutes of the second half, other than the disallowed goal, yeah. we sort of stood back a bit yeah. but then we got ourselves back on the front foot got yeah. our confidence back yeah. got the third goal got the fourth goal yeah. Yeah. And, but we always somehow the balance isn't quite right yeah. in the central midfield yeah. and I said the fact that McAllister could have had a hat trick I think that when he's playing deeper yeah. all his, his attributes it's, uh, well, we're saying we're actually losing something further forward. We're saying that by bringing Billy Gilmore in, uh, people wanted to strike him, but actually, I know it's still a matter of keeping Welbeck fit, but Gilmore does release up options and create greater flexibility with options in midfield. Uh, it allows McAllister to play further forward rather than being part of a double pivot well, with Caicedo. Look, Gilmore deeper, you can see there, and McAllister able to yeah. almost be box to box. Yeah, I drop in when they need to, yeah. rather than sitting. Because yeah. Casido is having to play quite centrally. Yeah. And that's leaving a big space on the left. Yeah. Crossard's clearly being asked to not drop back too much. Yeah. Defensively. Yeah. So that he's available upfield. Yeah. And I still feel that the Casimo before he went to Spurs yeah. were yeah. missing because of his injection and pace and tension yeah. and I actually think he's missing two from runners well, the, amount of, the amount of ground yeah. he, covered he covered on the yeah. left yeah. is not undefensive and his anticipation yeah. in defence when there are problems on the, our right flank Cucurello mm. would anticipate to come yeah. centrally yeah. the number of times he headed off yeah. problems by his anticipation yeah, so, uh, yeah I mean, true he, but it's a different it's a different set out, you know, one team to another. They've got different dynamics and different different um, shapes. I thought it's on the players they've got. I think we're looking great with what we've got. I, th- I, I, I we think going forward, going yeah, forward, going forward so. and I was pleased to see Mark scored. I saw Cedo yeah. scored. Yeah. Uh, obviously, McAllister got two. Yeah. Trossard got another one. Um, so it, it's looking good. Yeah. You know. I think he's trying to eight man City. Yeah, not sure we've quite yeah. got the class on that. Well, no, we don't have the money for that, but we're not doing badly, are we? No, no, but I mean, I think if you go, as Graham does for technical players, yeah. then I think, you know, the chances are, and you've got the sort of structure, yeah. that you can get it. So it's, yeah. uh, I, I, I think it's encouraging, yeah. and I think that it's, you were still at that player short. Yeah. And, and I don't know if you noticed, but Burton Diaz, who you and I have talked about, and we were sort of vaguely linked with, but then apparently weren't interested in pursuing at this stage for whatever reason, and scored yesterday. Did he? And yeah. also, uh, Kuani, the Fiontera player, who we were clearly and 
interested, interested in, yeah. until they heard we'd sold more players and wanted more money. Yeah. Um, he scored yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's, always, there's always more we could do. There's always more players we could bring in. Anyway, sorry, top clubs always do it, though, yeah. don't they? They yeah. always bring in new players. But a great day today, Raymond. Really Absolutely. Really Next up we have Julian. Welcome back to the podcast, Julian. Hello, uh, great to be back. Yeah, and, and with a smile on your face. Now, why is that? <laughs> oh, it was absolutely fantastic, wasn't it? It was uh, scintillating football. You know, first time we scored five in the top division. Yeah. Um, you know, I was scratching my head when I was trying to remember if we'd yeah. ever done it before. Te- and we technically, we yeah. scored six, but... Well, we did score six, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I mean, by, by the, like, the minutest of, minutest of details that yeah. uh, didn't score that six, yeah. And we seem to sort it out our penalty issues now, don't well, we? You know, I mean, I'm always worried, you know, yeah. that would never stop. But, no. you know, no, it's a great penalty, yeah. straight I mean, down the middle. The making of that was Wolves away. I was there last season, 3-0. And he missed the first one, and he had the balls to take a second yes, one, which yeah, had a hell of a lot of yeah, balls no, no, to I was do at, that. I was at that game And to be fair, I mean, that could have gone one or two ways, obviously, yes. like any penalty. Yeah. But what happened by, by scoring that one... That gave him the chance to have the next one. Yeah. Because uh, he put that next one in, it started to set the narrative. Of yes. We might have our settled future penalty taker. Yes, yeah. And as long as he's with us, I think yeah. he will be there. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed he's like, you know, because, you know, he's obviously played further back and everything like that, but he's still get, you know, getting the chance to strip. Yeah. You know, he came to us with that uh, reputation as a great sort of dead ball specialist. Yeah. And we've not seen it, you know. So suddenly we're now starting to see it. And he hits because he's further back. Yeah. yeah. He, he sort of hits the ball dead weight, yeah. doesn't he? He's got yeah. that lovely sort of heavyweight touch the way he hits it. Yeah. Which is cannonball sort of stuff. It's really yes. difficult to save if yeah, it's I mean, on that, target. That, that goal, the goal which was uh, ruled out, was sort of sensational. Yeah. 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 I mean, and he, he, he's yeah. a beautiful player to watch, one of my favourites anyway. Yeah. yeah. But now he's got this penalty thing, that's great. He Yes. even better yeah. and scoring from range either with or without a death yeah. ball scenario yeah. is a great bonus I hope we've got him on a long term contract oh I hope so too I think we need to actually renew that yes in fact at this yeah. stage yeah so as we look at the Arsenal game uh, man here which is 0-0 by the way I did say earlier it's 1-0 it got ruled out um you know, Arsenal are on a 100% record, they're on fire, but is there anyone better than us, apart from Arsenal maybe, on paper at the moment? Yes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's sort of, uh, you know, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be the team to beat, aren't we, you yeah. know, so, uh, you know, Fulham gave us a bit of a sort of, uh, an awakening, didn't they? Yeah. On, hopefully uh, it's on just nothing, nothing yeah. more than an anomaly in the end, yes. hopefully. Well, I mean, you know, the fact that we won today, you yeah. know, is, is great, I mean, I was a little bit worried, yeah. Our, our record against uh, bottom sides is not that yeah. great. We, we play teams into form, don't we? Yes. Unfortunately, yeah, we do. <laughs> normally, but yes. and, and we're at home, which is yes. the weaker of the two options exactly. for us. Yes. So that was great. That was great. Yeah, no. Anyway, fantastic, Julian. Until okay. the next time when yeah. I, I call yeah. you. Great to, great to be on. <laughs> Thank you. Great nice to have you on. Yes. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Next along the production line, a, a podcast audio snippets. We have for the first time in quite a few weeks. Our old friend, guest contributor, Andy Bravery. Hello, Andy. Hi there, Ross. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I've had worse days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Another, another win at home. Yeah. And goals. Who needs a forward? I know. Who yes. needs a forward? Exactly. Exactly. Keep Danny Welbeck fit and we've got all we need. He can go goalless all season and we can keep winning like that and I'll be happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Where, where did we win this game, do you think? Apart from in scoring goals, obviously. I mean, the midfield, I think, really... And, and their defence, their defence is, is, is a weak link. Isn't it, it was, it was poor. Their defence was poor. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah. I would, personally, I would say that it was one of those games at half time. You think oh, there's got to be more goals. Yeah. And I thought, well, mate, and then sometimes there aren't. Yeah. And then we get a goal. Yeah. And it's just allowed. Still, not, I've got an idea why, but um, I think it's outrageous. And then I think to myself, it looks to me like Potter's gambling. He's gambling on Trossard. Yeah scoring more than conceding because we were like quite exposed to that left back position and even at Webster I think Webster yeah. you know fell that at times but it paid off just in my head when I'm about to take Trossard off Trossard scores yeah, so what I, do I know I was calling it as well I thought we had a, a quiet first half second half uh, started quite, quite quietly as well and I was calling up for a half time Mittimer to come on give him a longer stretch than he's had in previous appearances uh, notwithstanding the League Cup and uh, he didn't and uh, lo and behold we go just past the 60 minute mark and I'm still saying the same thing Strossard starts to step it on and we start to get in amongst the goals again exactly yeah and he scores and I think he's going to put out his right foot and he scores with his left great finish yeah, he loves it in the back post doesn't he absolutely, yeah, he really yeah. does great finish the odds were against with that shot 
Uh, but uh, he got it right in the corner. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Andy, it's always a pleasure, sir. We'll leave it as that. We'll have a chat next time. So we have now reconvened to the wonderful evening star. It's always wonderful. And it's all the better for bumping into the old mate Tom Highland. So I used to bump into all the time. Now it's just most of the time. How you doing, Tom? I, I'm really good. I mean, you can't be, like, bad after that game. <laughs> As you said, it had everything. Uh, a number of goals, a disallowment. There were penalty appeals, one of which was given. Uh, as you said, when was the last time there Well, I'll let you say it. Yeah, I mean... From the first whistle to the last whistle, it was chaos. When was the last time there was a game that had an opening goal in the opening minute and the final goal in the last minute, in the 97th minute of all as well? I mean, it was, what what a crazy, crazy game. Uh, But I think it's... um, It's beautiful crazy, wasn't it? Beautiful crazy. And last year or seasons before, conceding goal after 45 seconds, heads would go down, the crowd would drop. But... Actually, this season, I turned around to my mate and said, do you know what? It's so early that it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. The, the mate next to me said, you know, you don't really mind if you could see that early. It's, it's always the, the cliche quote, but it, it's too early to score. Yeah. Which sounds ridiculous, but it often is the case. 100%. If you score that early, you don't end up winning the game. So 100%, often. but that yeah. first 15, 16 minutes yeah. where yeah. we went from 1-0 down in 45 seconds to 2-1 up, yeah. like, I, I don't think I've witnessed a game that crazy at the Amex no. ever. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And um, by the way, Bournemouth will probably disagree with you about scoring out early and <laughs> after the other week, but that was some game, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, well, we didn't score nine goals, but we scored six. Five of them were allowed. I was just chatting with you off air just now. You just uh, said uh, you've seen the incident back yeah. and it really shouldn't have been ruled out. Well, Is that right? Or... So it's one of those, and it's weird seeing a referee go to the monitor for what is effectively an offside yeah. Cool. But, you know, it, it's one of those that's really hard to take. And I was chatting to some uh, of my mates that were Leicester fans after the game, and they're like, that goal, just for the fact of how good it was and yeah. how long the VAR decision was taken, yeah. you should not be taking goals like that away from football. Yeah. And the fact that it's a player that hasn't even touched the ball, yeah. that is naturally moving towards the yeah. ball because it's a free kick, that's what you do. Yeah. And it gets ruled out. I mean... Unbel- you know, it's the pride McAllister of the match ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lawfully speaking, yeah, it's probably right. If if it's the right decision, yeah. is, you still want to rule it out. But it feels like there should be a, a special rule that just that allows goals. Just well, if, if they're golden good enough, just exceed the rules. But <laughs> the whole thing with VAR is it's meant to be clear and obvious. Yeah. If it takes four, four nearly minutes. five minutes. Yeah. To yeah. come to a decision, it's yeah. not clear and obvious. And, so, bringing a rule that says 30 seconds or you exactly. revert to the decision. The other thing is, uh, it's been traced tra- out this argument many times already. The thing about the referee going to the monitor and just, just vindicating a decision that's already been effectively made, he's going through the motions, isn't he? He's spending, what, one minute at the most. And looking at something they've said five minutes out. How is he going to come to a different conclusion? But this is also a problem. Um, I went to a talk with Jonathan Pierce, the commentator, oh, last yeah. season. Yeah. And in his talk, he said that the problem with VAR is the VAR is given their opinion and view on the incident. Yeah. Whereas that shouldn't happen. They should be referring and saying, you might want to have a look at this. Yeah. And then the referee should make the decision. Yeah. Because you don't need another opinion yeah. and another... Yeah. So what I should, so what you're saying is to not undermine the ref, because it's lip service in the end, isn't it? If if he's if he is genuinely going to make a decision independently, as you said, look at it enough to go, oh, have another look, oh, yeah, uh, definitely, have three quick looks, and then just go, yeah, have a look. To my mind, we're not sure. To my mind, every VAR decision should be looked at on the monitor by the on-field referee, other than a clear offside. Yeah. Anything that is binary, yes or no. Yeah. Fine, deal with it. But anything that is a a subjective, a human opinion, the referee needs to be the one to make the decision and needs to go to the monitor. Bar can have a look to establish that the referee needs to make a decision, but they shouldn't spend ages pondering it and then tell the ref to have a look because they're always going to back it up, aren't they? Football was so late to adopt video referees. There's so many sports that have learned so much, but football's ignored every learning from other sports. You look at rugby the yeah. TMO says 
there might be something there, have a look. They stop the game, they bring it up on the big screen, the referee looks and says, what it. I'm seeing yeah. is this, I think it's a penalty kick yeah. and a yellow card, do you agree? And yeah. then the TMO says, yes, I agree with that. But at no point does the TMO guide the referee to a decision. Yeah. And that's what it should be in football. Somehow football, English English, English uh, establishments in general, particularly football, think they know better, don't they? 100%. You look at the MLS. The MLS has VAR, yeah. but for offsides, they don't use lines, they don't use the mathematical stuff. It has to be a clear offside yeah. for the VAR to overturn. You do a fairly quick eye test and nothing more. And let's be fair, as fans, regardless yeah. of if it's for us or against us, we want to see goals in games. Yeah. We don't want a boring nil-nil draw. Again, if it's across the board, that's fine. Exactly. Because if we're getting loads of these ambiguous decisions go our way, just as likely that some of the other teams. So they'll run the line the same way, there'll be the same levels of opportunity. 100%. It's and, fair. you know, we're back talking about the ARR through game yeah. when we just scored five yeah. goals for the first yeah. time in the <laughs> Premier League. It should have been six or seven exactly. without VAR or with VAR, yeah. however you look at those yeah. decisions. And, you know, what a day. Yeah. What a day again. I know. I know. Let's get back to the game very quickly because uh, my battery's running out of this yeah. phone. I know it's going to cut off soon. But, um, yeah, overall, fantastic performance, fantastic game. Several things I love about that. First of all, the goals keep coming from different sources and they keep coming from midfield, which is great. And that was the problem before. People hark on about, we need a striker, we need a striker. Our problem was it goals weren't coming from defensive midfield. midfield. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's it. We're solving that problem. Having Billy Gilmore in, I know he didn't have a huge part to play today, but having him in creates more flexibility in the midfield, which allows more of those goal opportunities. 100%. And also... So Alexis McCarthy has finally found his role in that team yeah, and yeah. the tactics this season. Yeah. What a player he's yeah. become. Him and Gross this season and actually Solly March. Yeah. Those three players have just stepped up another level. Solly March is incredible. Yeah, yeah, the finishing know. still an issue. The, but the finishing is an that, issue. But that was always an issue anyway. But, uh, but McAllister today, yeah. What, yeah. what a player. And we're solving our penalty taking issue as well, aren't we? Well, well. I, I always say go hard and down the middle because the keeper's got to make yeah. a decision. Exactly. But, um, but he's gone right, left and centre so far. So yeah. people got to analyse it and go, well, he likes to go right or whatever. Because he's not. He's going all over the place. And then, great. And then that free kick. Oh, wow. I knew he was going to score that as well. I had a feeling there was a fifth goal in that for 15 minutes before it went in. And when it did go in, and when he was shaping up for it to take it, I thought, this is going in. I, I agree. And Beautiful I think goal. as Albion fans, we just have to pinch ourselves every yeah. week at the moment. Because, yeah. you know, we've got the best team we've ever had. We're playing yeah. incredible football. We've got a manager that yeah. matches the personality of the club and the team. Yeah. And... I was saying to someone earlier, before you play Leicester, I think this is, you know, Leicester should probably win it. Yeah. But you have to remind yourself that we're actually a good team now. Yeah. And at the moment, we're a better team than Leicester. 100%. They've got a number of issues. Unfortunately, their, their star is in the way, isn't it? It's, they've got a lot of defensive problems. Um, they're still good as an attacking force. They scored two goals today, one or two other chances, but ultimately they, they've, they've got players that lost. Michael was a big loss to them. He might have saved a couple of things today because he's bloody good. They've obviously had issues with centre-back. Uh, I've forgotten his name, the Turkish fellow. He doesn't seem to be on the scene. They've now lost Fafana. Tielemans is running down his contract. Vardy's getting past his peak. They're, they're, they've got, and, they're, they're going stale. And as much as people might be upset that we didn't sign a striker at the end of the window, what yeah. we have is consistency. Yeah. The reason, I think, for our positive start to the season is, you look at the team yeah. today and the team that was playing at the end of last season, it's very solid. Yeah. It, it's the same people. It, the core yeah. of the team hasn't changed. Yeah. And that they're consistency... experience. Exactly. They're getting older. We've got a very young team. They're getting older. That's they're great. getting better. A coach like Potter is bringing the best out of them and with you know I think it's such yeah. a positive place to be you sign really good young players it doesn't matter they're getting older because they're coming into their feet that's our policy we don't sign at too old an age and also I think um, what this season is showing is actually um, that whole approach of signing for a season yeah. or two ahead yeah so the fact is we signed this season signings a year ago yeah 
and they're now coming in and they're showing their work and some of the players that we signed this year that we put out on loan they'll come in next year but we're always thinking one step ahead exactly plus we've got a contingency plan for unexpected losses such as Kukurea we bring in Estepinian so yeah it's sorted sorted. exactly anyway this battery is definitely going to die in a second so we better round off there really good to get you on for your debut but Tom we've got a long standing pledge to get you on properly to have in more detail so we'll get you back on uh, sometime in the coming weeks it's been excellent having a chat with you now we can enjoy these lovely beers in the evening star I look forward to it <laughs> cheers and up the Albion cheers And so to the day after, the day before, uh, looking back on further reflections on the Leicester game, fantastic 5-2 win, obviously delightful result, brilliant performance, great atmosphere, lots of incident, lots of stuff to talk about, quite a bit, a bit of which we have done already. But I haven't done any of that with Peter, who was at the game as well. Welcome back onto the show as usual, Peter. And um, let's get your thoughts on the, on the game as a whole, first of all, and anything in particular that stood out for you. I'm intrigued by the, the fantastic 5-2 win. I mean, is there, is there an occasion when you have a terrible 5-2 win? Is that when we're knocked out in a qualifying round to the Europa Conference League? Well, what, well, they don't do away goals anymore, do they? So. You've always got some smarmy answer, haven't you? <laughs> I thought you could rely on me for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was brilliant, I thought, generally. I mean, obviously, very slow start in terms of uh, first minute, but then came back from it really well, and it was really encouraging to see us really kind of play. I know Leicester weren't very good, but Give them, you know, kind of re- react to the goal so well and then gifted them another goal out, I mean, out of nothing really. I mean, it just gave the ball away and from there it was a well worked goal, but we should, yeah, it was our fault for giving them the back of the ball. We we're in complete control at that point. And you kind of think maybe then at that point we've kind of screwed it up and, you know, they're going to kind of get back in the game and they did it. They probably were slightly better for the rest of the second half, the first half, sorry, but not much. There wasn't much in it, but it was like kind of they, they had a little bit more attack. And then, you know, Obviously the, the the VAR incident, and I think we came out with a real gave it a real go for the minute or two that we had, and then we thought again if we're a bit deflated, I think by that for a few minutes, and then Leicester maybe had you know looked a bit a bit boosted by that, and then from there though from about the hour mark we just dominated and we were we were superb, and it could have anything been more really. Yeah, we'll talk about far in a moment. Um, but what I would say just quickly about that now is that, I mean, say deflated for a few minutes. I think we had to wait a few minutes for the decision in the first place. And um, I flip and kind of comment aside. Obviously, that would have had a an effect on the yeah. deflation factor. Well, Leicester, it was like scoring a goal and getting that goal chalked off, yeah. wasn't it? And so. they, they carried on with the who are you chance, which they'd done when they gone 1-0 up, which uh, backfired for a second time <laughs> as we then went on, as, as we said, to, to get the fantastic 5-2 win, rather than a lucky one. Um, and well, Actually, we were unlucky not to just score more goals. Soddy had a shot well saved. Uh, we had Danny Welbeck got into a position on the, in the wide area, chipped it, and it hit the roof. Yeah, and there's not much to be made about their first goal, but I did think, I've seen situations where fouls are given for the for, for Tielemann shoving into um, March. You know, it, I, it, you could argue it's shoulder to shoulder. I understand why VAR didn't overrule it. But I've also seen decisions like that given for a shot, for a barge in the back for slightly rather than, it wasn't as clear as the one at Man U where they somehow managed to miss it. But, you know, it's, I don't think VAR would have overruled it if it had been given as a free kick in a situation sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um I think Solly in, in flashes was, was great actually, speaking of Solly. Um, he had that shot target, of course he, he caused the goal. It turned out he didn't score it with his, his, um, what is his third attempted header yeah. goal in a row, I think, in three games or something. Um, but he, I mean, he did cause the defender to put it to the net at point blank range. Defender had nothing, he knew nothing about it. So it's kind of like a solid instigated goal, but he can't claim it, unfortunately, for him. So he's still not a, a new scorer for the season amongst our many. But, um, you know, he was involved in a, a lot of what we did well. Um, yeah. But I don't he, think he was... He got man the match at the ground, didn't he? But I... Yeah. Not, well, I did not hit anything against Solly, but I would have had said four or five players were high. And McAllister was man the match for me. It's, it, yeah. Goals were irrelevant. He was brilliant. Closely followed by Grosh, Trossard... Um, Welbeck, Casado, all probably would have gone above Beltman as well, probably above March, probably. Not yeah. really played badly, but just because everyone, those guys all played really well. Yeah, I'll go along with all of that. And, and the general consensus in the chat I had post-match in the stadium in the North Concourse was exactly that. McAllister, man of the match. Uh, maybe it's the corporate just wanted to 
get whoever they wanted to get in, pre-arranged agenda, I don't know, because that often happens, doesn't it? You think, really? It's not really the man of the match. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they're just coming out with an honest answer, but well, maybe, that, maybe that was their honest answer, but yeah. I don't agree with them. If, no, if, I, if, if they'd given it to any of Casado, Welbeck, yeah. uh, Trossard, Grosh, I probably would have been fair enough, but Sonny yeah. was, I mean, yeah, he just wasn't as good as the, the rest of them, so, I, you know, it, it doesn't mean he never did have a good game, I'm not having a go at him, just means that, yeah, he wasn't as good as the others. Yeah. My men of the match, by the way, so far this season, uh, Casado for Man U, Dunk for Newcastle, McAllister for West Ham, Alzate for Forest Green, McAllister for Fulham, McAllister for Leicester. That's for, for me, and I think it was in a fairly agreeable decision in most cases amongst other people, not necessarily the same answer. No, I'm not sure I disagree with any of those from, well, having I obviously saw the Fulham game on TV and the Forest Green game, heard about what people said. I don't so three particularly any of those three three goals sorry three men of the match for Leeds game um that was I think that was Grosh went for yeah yeah I, I thought um, that I thought they actually got it right that one even though it you know I think in a game where we had so many chances it didn't take them the guy actually who took the goal probably deserved it in the end yeah and he's played like, very well he was yeah he did as well played yeah he had to have a brilliant through balls but I'm I'm inclined to say you know normally I would say don't give it just to a player for scoring but when, when, when you've taken, had so many chances and missed them all, I am more inclined to say, we'll give it to the guy who actually, actually put it in the back of the net finally. And McAllister certainly did in the, in the game yesterday. Uh, two goals, well, three goals on target, one of them disallowed, unfortunately deprived of a hat trick. We'll talk about that in a moment, but I mean, three man of the match performances. Uh, he's got four goals now as well, because of course he got two in this game and, um, one of which was a penalty. He scored two other penalties this season. Um, we've also, we were talking post-match in the stadium about the fact that that's now three in a row this season and four in a row overall that he's buried. Uh, so I think we've solved, at least for the time being, our, our penalty-taking quandaries in terms of who should take them. And I think barring a, a big upturn or downturn in, in form, I think uh, he'll carry on doing that now. He's kind of, he's got a sort of like a, a dead weight sort of touch, a kind of real cannibal type of hit, isn't it? We were saying after yeah. the game. And, and um, the interesting thing felt to me was, I think we were saying the other day that we put two in different different corners, and yeah. then now he put one in the middle. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, he, kind of, he obviously is varying it, so there's no way of knowing exactly where he's going to go, and which is good, yeah. I and mean, it's a good thing. Unless, yeah. unless you can literally guarantee to hit the top corner every time, you, mm. yeah, you need to vary to this, and yeah, it's really... Really good to see him do that, and it's great to have a not only a penalty taker but also a free kick taker potentially as well. I mean, we so rarely score from those situations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, yeah. His other goal was still a dead ball goal, a great free kick, right with the last, the last kick basically of the I game. I thought it would be last score one of those. We were just saying actually, just before it happened, uh, when was the last time we had one? Top bins. Uh, I was thinking Pascal Gross was going to take one in the first half, and he ended up, uh, this is going in the yeah. corner. No, he's, it's being passed into the corner of the pitch. <laughs> so I think it was to Solly. Oh, why didn't he take it? He's more of a, a taker of curling free kicks, but the counter- I think you have remember him taking a free kick and scoring for one in probably Potter's first season against someone like Everton or something like that. I think so. That might be our last one. He got seven goals in his first season. Um, he's on 20 goals. Not his first season, um, Potter's first season. Oh, Potter's first season, right, okay, yeah. Um, but in which yeah. case, if that's the case, that might be the last time we scored from a direct free kick. Yeah. We were saying it had been a while, and as he stepped up to take that kick, I thought, this is, he's going to score this. It felt as if there was a fifth goal coming for about 15 minutes, and it just felt right. It just some, Something about the narrative of the day, I just thought... You know what? He's going to get this. He's going to get a second goal because he deserves at least a second goal. Of course, that would have been a spectacular clinching of a hat trick if uh, if the other goal had been given and that goal was still taken and scored the same way. Yeah, exactly. Um, you never know what happens if we go three. I'm pretty, pretty pleased for several reasons. A, he got an, a second, another spectacular goal, having had one deprived. B, the fact you know, as you said, a first free kick like that for ages. Uh, C, I felt we deserved to be at least three goals better than Leicester by the end of the game. And D, it was a chance to get our first five-goal goal yeah. offline. Certainly in the Premier League era, the commentators on Sky were saying um, first uh, top flight five ever for us. I, don't, I haven't checked the old record. I think it is. I think it was. The Premier League era is. is it? I think I mean, it was overall, yeah, I think I read. Yeah. Speaking of Sky commentary, by the way, thanks Sky for changing the scheduling around. I recorded the match to watch it back, and I had Formula One. I had exactly that when I got home yesterday as well. Yeah. 
And I, I, I luckily, I only, I only started trying to look at, look back through it this afternoon. So I had some time off work and discovered this, <laughs> this disaster and found out there was actually one of the half hour reruns of, of the various games going on early evening tonight. So I was able to, to catch it and see what they said and have a look at the VAR. I did exactly the same thing with that as well. I recorded one last night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that's not good enough, Sky. Up yours. And it still says it was Brighton against Leicester as well on the on the listing. If you go yeah, back, yeah. So if you you program something in, bloody well show it. I know it was on another channel as well. I think they sometimes double it, but you know, really. Yeah, it's a lesson learned there, isn't it? You always record it on the Premier League channel rather than on the on yeah. the on the, uh, the the main channel, or whatever. But yeah, I had exactly the same thing, and I was equally pissed off with it. It wasn't just me. Well, although I don't want to wish misfortune on you in the in the recording of TV stakes, but uh, still, there we go. Um, okay, VAR, time for a rant here. Um, I've, I've only finally got to see it this evening, actually, the actual incident, what, what the debate was. All I knew was potential interference in play from a player who had been offside by a marginal amount. That's all I'd heard. Had a look back at it now, seen what Mwepu actually did in that incident. He did, did take a swing towards the ball. I don't know, because I've only seen it recently, I haven't had a chance to ask our ref chums what the state of play is re- with regard to that. Didn't watch ref watch if they talked about it on there. They did. Um, yeah, McGallagher said it was the right decision. Okay, right. Well, perhaps so. If that is the right decision, then it's pretty... It, I, I don't know what the rule is on it, but if that is the rule then it's actually clear-cut the other way. They didn't need to take that long to decide yeah. that it was a disallowed goal. And once you involve um, you involve the referee in it, surely it has to be a clear and obvious error. Yeah. Offsides don't have to be, but it wasn't about the offside. It was about the yeah, interference of play. So yeah. I mean, to me, that doesn't come... I mean, I, I, I moaned about it a lot since we played there, but how on earth you can put the goal that United scored against us uh, against that goal yesterday and our goals disallowed and United's goals allowed to stand when Maguire is basically challenging Sanchez so he, has, he panics and pushes it into the canister. I exactly. mean, how on earth that is not interfering with play but Mwepu trying to be, getting nowhere near a, an overhead kick so the guy headed away when the yeah. guy headed away is somehow when a tiny little bit offside is somehow interfering with play. I, I don't, don't understand why. It's so inconsistent. Yeah, it is inconsistent. I, I'm not one to accuse uh, refs of having big club bias, but I'm accusing a ref of having a big club bias. Say, <laughs> but you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was no need for that to take four minutes or whatever it was. I was going to count how long it was, but of course I only got the, 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 the shorter thing. I didn't see how long it actually was in the end, but it must have been four or more I think minutes. Four and a half minutes was the eventual time. Minutes. Anything that takes that long, regardless of the outcome of the decision, is simply too long, and that needs to be eradicated. There needs to be a a minute, minute or limit on it. If it's it's not clear and obvious that it's wrong in a minute, then it's not a clear and obvious error. Whether it's offside, if you're drawing the lines for more than a minute on offside, then it's it's not an obvious error, and it should be allowed. There were no Leicester players complaining. There were no, you know, it's. I was going to say multiple factors, maybe up to two minutes. You know, if there was a debate about a foul, then a possible offside, then an interference of play, then a, something else. You know, fair enough, then take two minutes to look through it all or whatever, two, two and a half minutes. But for a single factor situation, which is essentially what this is, the offside was established yeah. pretty quickly, I think. Um, or was it? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but it's, well, I think that took a while as well, seemingly. Yeah. Well, that shouldn't take that long because apparently, according to Mike Dean, there's lines are drawn, and if one line doesn't overlap there the other, there seemed to be some sort of issue around. Where, where they, it was a, the guy who was would have been playing Mepu on wasn't that near him. I think was the other side, and it was trying to get the line. And also, and also, they always have these issues around when the ball's actually kicked as well, don't they? And they don't seem to have ever fixed it. What what confuses me is they they claim, or I, I've not heard any issues about VAR in other countries. I've not heard any issues about VAR at any of the major tournaments. How is yeah. it that the English league, the Premier League, fuck it up so massively, and yeah. yet everyone else can get it right? Or, yeah. you know, yeah. not perfectly right, but generally right. Yeah, we were saying yesterday, well, they always seem to know better, or think they know better, and they always do worse than the other introduced... Um... But we were talking about a group earlier, weren't we? Is, is it, the, I mean, I think it's probably a combination of the way we interpret it and go with it, and also the fact that probably our referees are pretty terrible, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's it's deeply infuriating. It doesn't need to take that long. Um, there is one issue, which is 
the offsides, I mean, I don't know how the Mike Dean thing isn't taking, it isn't being decided quicker because if you can't decide it quickly enough, it's not enough of a gap. And that's where the clear and obvious on the offside should be. If you are going to have some kind of objective thing, and apparently we're getting this semi-auto system that's going into the Champions League this season, so the World Cup in a couple of months' time, and I think to one or two other major tournaments and the Euros later as well, um, it's going to have some sort of um, 3D thing where it reads all the bodies on the pitch. It can read uh, much more carefully how, or much more instantaneously where they are on the pitch. And there's a sensor in the ball which will negate this problem of the exact frames per second thing. If all of that technology works, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with it, that will apparently make it instantaneous in establishing, at least as as the system is doing, whether it's offside or onside. So you'll have a black and white thing, at least as far as the system goes. That would help because it would speed things up. Then you can spend all of the time that you want to spend, which should be no more than a minute for a single factor issue, on establishing, you know, if the player did try and play the ball and played the opposition onside or, uh, you know, or if, or if it was a, you know, a foul or interfering with play or whatever other factors might be involved. Because I think taking that long on and offside itself, before you start looking at another incident related to this, in this case, Mwepu trying to take an overhead kick, then, um, you know, it's it's just too long. Simply, yeah. no, I, I agree, yeah. and I think I think they they uh, I think based on what I've seen and the, and what the decisions have been made this season, I think they made the wrong decision with us. Yeah, but I think given probably given the rules, they made the right one. But given the interpretation of rules and what they regarded as frame of play these days, yeah, which I think is a stupid one anyway, then I think they probably they probably did just about get it right. But they haven't been doing that consistently, e.g. Maguire against us. So we, so what we could, we've pretty, you know, it's pretty fair that we could be pissed off about it because if you're not getting it right, I mean, the same way, you know, you could argue, I, I think that both decisions that Leicester got against them for corners last year were right in that Barnes had interfering with play, but actually then they're very rarely given. So I understand why their fans were pissed off last year because they aren't given. So everyone claimed that VAR was going to bring more consistency. I say, if anything, it's actually made less consistency. Yeah, because, I mean, we we haven't got time to get into it here. We've got to wrap up in a second. But, you know, there was a number of incidents in other games of the weekend. There's been issues at Leeds with the Newcastle game, with the West Ham game, um, where people are fuming. The Leeds incident, where a guy was fouled in in episodes and and, uh, culminating in, in finally on in the penalty area and I think if you haven't given a foul and you carry on fouling someone it goes over the, the penalty box line that should be a penalty not only a foul you wave play yeah. on apparently I haven't seen the highlights of that, that game yet but I've just seen the incidents in isolation and um, you know it's, it, those those things need to be changed yeah but delightful results and we yeah, are very good in, result we're very very happy, happy with it and uh, yeah we've, we've been disastrously now we get a Bournemouth with a chance to go top again which oh, no, you know, know what that means <laughs> against a team that hasn't that's been struggling yeah well, but we also have a dreadful record against I know yeah well it's about time that changed as far as I'm concerned we will go top if we win because I think we're playing before the other side yeah. and City have got Tottenham Tottenham who did the yeah. trouble but we will move us up at least one position yeah um, guaranteed one position if we win could be over both of them, and I, I've got a pretty strong feeling that'll be a draw that game actually. But we got to do our bit. That's the main thing. Um, I'm, I don't think either of us are going to that match, are they? I am. Yeah. We're we going to Bournemouth. Oh, yeah, brilliant. So we'll get first hand view on that after the game, I'm sure. For this episode, though, we've got to wrap it up a little bit now because we're doing our Seagulls over London Zoom chat next. So uh, I shall see you on there in a moment, Peter. Cool. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us as always. We'll be back with the next one, which will no doubt be a review of the Bournemouth game, unless anything dramatic happens in the meantime. Um, so until then, stand or fall. Up the Albion. So we were just about to publish the episode covering all the post-match reaction and our post-match review from the game of the weekend on our glorious win. However, there's some much more worrying news has come out today, Wednesday, the 7th of September. That news is that following another defeat for Chelsea in the Champions League at Dinamo Zagreb, uh, 1-0, um, Thomas Tuchel has been sacked. Um, seems a pretty harsh or very quick reaction. Reading an article in The Athletic, it sounds as if there's a few areas of dissatisfaction that have been growing for a while, and the club have claimed that this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. It's been in the offing for a while, and this just was the breaking point. 
However, the timing of that breaking point and the timing of that decision could not be worse. From a Chelsea point of view, they've just spent about £260 million in the transfer window and within days they've now got to change manager. And whoever that new manager is going to be is going to have to work with players he may not necessarily have thought would fit into his style or um, into his model of, opera- of operation. However, um, it's also pretty bad timing for the Albion because, of course... Pretty inevitably, it's no surprise at all, they're interested in Graham Potter. They are also interested in Mauricio Pochettino and Zinazin Zidane, who are both free agents at the moment. However, Graham Potter appears to be their first choice target. As the morning has the story has developed, um, news that Chelsea were planning to formally approach us. They have done that. This is on the morning that we're having photo shoots with Graham and the team at the stadium. So pretty bad timing from that point of view as well. But anyway, uh, the formal approach apparently has been made. The club, in line with their usual policy, have given permission for Graham to speak to the club, to Chelsea, which uh, is the typical kind of pathway policy that they have. They'll allow players to step on if they want. It is now down to Graham whether he wants to take that job. There is a buyout clause, so to speak, uh, a release clause, which is reported to be somewhere in the region of 15 or 16 million. So that will be coming our way if he did move. Chelsea presumably are willing to meet that. They've got the money and the fact that uh, the talks are taking place means surely they must have agreed to that. So he is now, as we speak at, or as I speak, at one o'clock in the afternoon on his way up to London, we understand, to have those talks with Todd Bowley, the owner of Chelsea, who's been in charge for about 100 days. This would be his first, well, this will be his first appointment, whoever it is, having inherited Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel, of course, has won Champions League, Super Cup, uh, a good record in the short period of time. The one bit of analysis on his side is that the first 50 games, they conceded 24 goals. And in the next 50, which he's just completed last night, uh, they conceded, I think it's something like 50, 56 goals or something. 53, I think it might be. Um, so something defensively has gone wrong. I think we can, we can say that, safely say that's partly to do with Rudiger moving on. They couldn't do anything about that at the time. There's been a bit of upheaval. Bowley apparently wants to form a longer-term model rather than being the trigger-happy, almost Galactico style of uh, of ownership, which has gone before with Roman Abramovich throwing money at stuff but changing managers willy-nilly. It seems he wants to go into more of a long-term project, which you could say aligns with Manchester City and Liverpool. Um, it makes sense, therefore, that he might go for someone like Graham Potter, who is all about that kind of thing. Um, Graham hasn't got any Champions League experience, but he is very ambitious. I'm sure he would want to take a top six job uh, relatively soon, if not very soon. That's what we're about to find out, how soon, because Chelsea, there's two things about that. One, you've got the history of Chelsea with sacking managers. That might play on his mind. But I do think, and I fear, that Todd Bowley will be there purely and at pains to convince him that this is a new wave, a new regime, and although they've sacked... Thomas Tuchel in fairly harsh circumstances. That wasn't their man. Whoever is this first manager appointed in this next few days is going to be their first man. And that's the important, crucial ingredient which makes me worry that he is going to take it. If it was still Roman Abramovich, I'd be confident that he would turn the job down because there will be other opportunities. In my ideal world, and I would imagine Man City's as well, Graham goes on to great success for three, four, maybe even five years with us. He then inherits the Manchester City squad and the job there from Pep, who might want to stand down at around that time. That's what I'm imagining uh, would be the perfect scenario from a Brighton point of view, possibly from a Man City point of view, uh, because I think by then he would have had European experience to bring to the party. At this stage, he doesn't have that, but Chelsea appear to be making a gamble on that element. I don't really see it as a risky gamble if they do go for him uh, or if they do get him. It's in the balance. The vibe is that the club are not confident uh, that he will turn it down. Um, It looks like it might happen quickly. There's been some discussions on some of the WhatsApp groups that I've been on talking about how this would take time, Dan Ashworth took time, and I agreed with that. But on further thoughts, um, really, it could be a clean break. Uh, This isn't the Dan Ashworth scenario. I imagine the Albion have animosity for the Newcastle model, uh, for the ownership model. Um, 
they pr- probably have an objection to them. They may have been less willing to deal with a club like Newcastle who are seeking to step past where we're at at the moment. Um, with this, it's a matter of not standing in the way of someone going further up the, uh, well, further up the hypothetical table anyway. <laughs> they are literally below us in the table at the moment. Um, however, We'll wait and see. There will be further updates, I'm sure, on this during the course of the day. But we've got to finish this podcast somewhere. So I'm going to finish it by saying I'm hopeful, but I'm not confident that he's going to turn it down. And by the time you hear this, he may already have gone. And I think, contrary to what I first thought on hearing it, I think maybe he could be in place by the weekend if he is convinced enough by what the Chelsea ownership say. If he does really want the job, genuinely wants it, doesn't mind the upheaval of moving or whatever else is involved, and if he doesn't have enough reservations about the completion of the job he's doing at the Albion, then I think he'll be off. And then in that case, there's no point dillying and dallying. We'd rather, if it is happening, have it happen sooner rather than later so we can plan as soon as possible for this season. Very, very annoying if it does happen for Albion fans because this has the potential... And I'm confident if Graham Potter was in charge, it would fulfil that potential of being our best ever season. In terms of position in the table, beating ninth, I'm confident that would happen uh, if things remained in the status quo. Uh, but also, it's going to cause some upheaval. I'm, I'm worried how much it might cause upheaval. You know, a lot of young players are getting opportunities. We've got new signings that have come in. Different people might have different ideas. Uh, it will cause a problem. It will cause us to not finish as high in the table. How much of a detrimental effect that will have, who knows, could be very minimal. We have succession planning, as we all know. We have plans in place for these eventualities. And I'm sure as hell know that of all people in our, in our squad, uh, sorry, in our setup and on our staff, Graham is the one we're probably the most worried, uh, would go and probably were the most confident I suppose you could say it would happen sooner rather than later. So the succession planning is who we've got, who, who we've got in, in mind, how available they might be, how soon, I guess to an extent what it would cost to get that particular coach in if he's uh, otherwise employed at the moment, although of course we'd have money from uh, Graham Potter leaving if that's the case. But that's all the discussion for another day. Let's see, let's wait and see what happens and fingers crossed for what I wouldn't call a miracle, but a very unlikely scenario of him turning it down. Um, we'll see. Anyway, for the time being, stand or fall up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.